Hebrews chapter 11, Hebrews the 11th chapter, and um, we will look at verse number 6. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse number 6. So this set of notes continues to grow. I continue to add things to it, but for the last three Wednesday nights that I've been able to come before you, it's like I haven't been able to get past this first part, and I've been doing this long enough to know that that's the Holy Spirit. Amen. In other words, we may have an agenda, but we want His agenda. We may have our plans, but we always want to defer to Him. <coughs> Excuse me. And um, I've learned again over the years that even when I'm deliberately trying to move past a certain subject or a certain point and I just keep being drawn back to it that it's the Holy Spirit emphasizing uh, these things to us. And so I don't know if it's going to happen again tonight or not. I, I, all my other thoughts on, on other things we have prepared, it's, it's hard for me to really get stirred up about that. So, But anyway, let's begin here. And you just get in faith with me that the Holy Spirit's going to lead us. Amen. All right, Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6, it says, But without faith, it's impossible to please him. And the him here, uh, you know, respectfully is capitalized in the New King James Version, capital H, speaking of God. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. One more time, but without faith, it's impossible to please him. You're not the exception to this. I'm not the exception to this. You cannot please God apart from faith. You cannot please God apart from faith. We, I, you know, how, how do you ever exaggerate the importance of faith in light of this verse? To me, you can't overstate, you can't overemphasize this subject at least not to anyone who's interested in pleasing God. In other words, if, if, if you're, and I believe, again, here on a Wednesday night, middle of the week, in May, you know, beautiful afternoon, I believe you're interested in pleasing Him or you wouldn't be here. And there's a lot of things that religion tells us, you know, pleases God. There's a lot of folks, man, that tell you to do things that God never told us to do. They'll tell you that God expects things from you that you can't even find it in the Bible. You know, religion's idea of, of what pleases God, what, what, what honors God, and yet we see it, it begins with faith. And I know the Bible says now about hope and love, these three, the greatest of these be in love. But we even see that if, if, if we're endeavoring to love people apart from faith, it's nothing more than a stylized version of selfishness because we're doing it for our benefit and not theirs. Now, for the last three Wednesday nights, the Holy Spirit has been emphasizing to us that faith is not passive. Faith 
is not passive. And I think the way you hear faith talked about, the way you hear people refer to their faith, that there's a lot of folks confused where this subject is concerned. So again, faith is not passive, but faith, we could say, is active, but to even clarify further, faith is something that must be acted upon. The Bible says in Romans 12 and 3 that God has given to every person a measure of faith. We see the disciples are always wanting more faith, and certainly the Bible teaches of us increasing in, in faith, but the increasing in faith is talking about what we do with the faith that we've been given, exercising it. We see Jesus taught us about faith and He compared it to a seed. And there's power in a seed. But that power must be acted upon. In other words, you could have people starving to death with a 50-pound sack of corn seed sitting in a barn somewhere. And the potential that's within that seed to feed those people is not being released because, again, in that case, the seed is not passive, but it's something that, that has to be activated. It's, it's something that has to be engaged. There, there's something that, that has to be done with it. One of my favorite illustrations from Brother Kenneth Hagin along these lines is I guess part of the reason, one, it's a good illustration, but one, it, it kind of stuck out with me because, you know, visiting hospitals, sometimes you have to pay to, you know, get in the parking deck. And this was back in the days before you could pay with a debit card. And then, you know, you pull up there to pay and you realize you don't have any cash on you. So he decided that he was going to take a $20 bill. And of course, in those days, $20 is a lot more than it is in our day. And, and he folded it up and... I'm sure you ladies have compartments like this in the wallets that you carry, but, you know, in a men, man's wallet, you know, you've got that section where you usually put the bills and you've got other little compartments. He folded it up and he stuck it in that compartment like for it to just be emergency money, so to speak. He forgot about it. And I don't know, years later, somebody gave him a new wallet and he was moving out of his old wallet into his new wallet and he found that $20 bill. And he said that his mind went back to all the different times that had passed since he had put that $20 bill in there that he could have used it, that he needed it, that, that it would have really helped him. But again, he forgot it was there and so it was as if he didn't have it, but yet he did. So now notice, his ignorance of that $20 bill didn't make it any less his, but because it was not in the forefront of his mind or because it was not something that he understood, you know, remembered, so to speak, it was basically laying dormant in his wallet. In other words, to have utilized it, he would have had to what? He would have had to spend it. He would have had to, had 
actually take it out and use it in a way to gain the benefit from it. And that's the way we need to understand faith. You've been given the measure of faith, but the Bible says faith without any corresponding action on our part is dormant or dead. It's, it's present still in your life, but whatever benefit it could be producing in your life is, is, not, is not being experienced or enjoyed by you. It doesn't make the faith any less yours any more than the $20 bill was any less his, even though he was not aware of it and was not using it. So that money had to be acted upon. The seed in the barn has to be acted upon. The faith in your heart, it has to be acted upon. Now, examples of passive faith involve simply believing that God exists. Now that's a good place to start, but but that tends to fall more into a passive category. Hebrews 11.6 says that we must believe that God is, that He exists, but that alone, my friend, is not enough. That's, that's not what pleases God, just simply believing that He exists. We looked at it last week. We won't turn back there tonight. But in James chapter 2, the Word of God points out that even the devils believe that God exists. And they respond by trembling at the thought of Him. So just believing that God exists, again, this is passive. Believing that God rewards those who diligently seek Him. Now notice, this is taking our belief that God exists and beginning to live our lives in light of that reality. To begin to give Him that place in our lives as our God, as our Creator, and, 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 and doing life, so to speak, in light of this understanding, in light of this belief. Now, I'm not trying to offend you tonight, I'm trying to help you. And we've preached some sermons this year on the subject of pretend faith or sincere faith. And so the Bible talks about a feigned or a, or a pretend or a simulated faith. The word quasi or quasi, quasi-faith. It's faith that's almost faith. I mean, it, it looks so much like faith that it could fool most people, but it's, it's not faith. It's not genuine faith. It's counterfeit. And so the enemy deceives us if, we, if we're ignorant and, and we allow him to. He deceives us in this area in, in, into, into where we think that we're, we're in faith and that we're operating in faith when we're really not. Another example of passive faith that doesn't on the surface seem to be passive involves not just believing that God exists, but again taking it another step is, is this idea that we believe God can. That we believe God can. Amen. Mama Ellen Lee, I talked about Tom last Wednesday night when he wrote the letter to Warren Buffett. Right? Anybody in here believe Warren Buffett exists? 
Anybody believe that He can give you $100,000? But see, this is, this is not the kind of faith that receives from God. Believing that God exists and believing that God can save you is not the same as acting upon the message of the gospel, believing in your heart, confessing with your mouth, and receiving the Lord Jesus and the salvation that He has so freely extended to us. Are you seeing the difference here? There's a lot of folks who believe God exists and believe God can fill in the blank. I mean, they believe He can... Well, He's God, Pastor Mark. He can do anything. They believe that God can heal. They believe that God can prosper. They believe that God can deliver. They believe that God can work things out. That God can work in their life. That God can fix things in their family. That God can bring home that wayward son or daughter, whatever. In other words, believe they believe He exists, believe He can. Believe He exists, believe He can. Believe He exists, believe He can. You're still in passive mode. And this is where so many people, they get, they get disillusioned, they get frustrated. I was in faith, God didn't answer my prayer, God didn't help me, blah, blah, blah. And again, you don't even realize that you, you, you have not yet acted upon faith where these things are concerned. It takes more than believing God exists to receive from Him. It takes more than believing God can do it to receive from Him. Now turn with me to Colossians chapter 2. Thank you, Jesus. Colossians chapter 2. Is this making sense to you? I know I've got you in Colossians 2, but I'm going to put Mark 11 on the screen. You stay in, you stay in Colossians 2. Let me put Mark 11 on the screen, all right? It says, therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you will have them. Whatever things you ask when you pray. First of all, let's get this straight, okay? People say we're, we're hoping and praying. No, no, no. We're not hoping and praying. So, well, I'm, okay, okay. So, we're believing and praying. Well, that's better. But if you look at what he's saying here, he's saying when you pray, believe in that moment that you received whatever you just asked And you will have whatever you ask. See, people think that, well, I'll believe it when the report says it. It's not faith. See, that's, that's, that's passive mode. That's, that's, that's waiting to see before you believe. 
It's no different. It's amazing how we can spiritualize our dysfunction with all kinds of religious cliches. But the bottom line of it, if you, if you let the Holy Spirit help you, all we're really saying is, I will not believe I receive until I receive. I will not believe I receive until I see it. I will not believe that it's mine until I have it in my possession. That's not faith. That's not how faith works. The implication here is that you believe you receive it, but you still don't have it physically in your possession yet. If you already had it, you wouldn't have to believe that you had it. If you, if you already experienced the healing in your body, you wouldn't have to stand in faith believing that you received it because you would have already received it. So he's talking about believing that you receive something. We talked about this in, in class. Abraham believed God made him something that he could never make himself. And he believed that it was true to the point that he changed his name to father of a multitude before he was the father of a single one. That's faith. He believed he received. And then, in the very near future, he actually possessed, if you will. Amen? All right, Colossians 2, verse 6. Colossians 2 and 6. As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him, rooted and built up in Him, and established in the faith, as you have been taught, Abounding in it, what's the understood subject? The understood subject is faith. Abounding in it with thanksgiving. Abounding in it with thanksgiving. Now, this is the part that we haven't really been able to get past. And I don't, I, that's what I was talking about when we began the message this evening. There is a simple revelation in verse 6 that I'm concerned a lot of people in the body of Christ have missed. As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord. So he's saying use the same template that enabled you to become born again, use that same pattern, that same template to walk in Jesus. The same way you received Him is the way you walk in Him. Now, this brings us to another area that we need some instruction and maybe even a little bit of correction. It's very sad to me if you ask the average churchgoer or average Christian, what does it mean to live the Christian life? Hopefully you and I are growing beyond this, but my experience is most people begin 
to answer that question with something conduct-related. In other words, living the Christian life means loving other people. Living the Christian life means striving to do good. Living the Christian life means going to church. Living the Christian life means reading your Bible. Living the Christian life means... In other words, we've, we've had it so ingrained in us, this idea of obedience, this idea of, of living the Christian life is all about our conduct, that somewhere along the way, we've lost sight of why exactly Jesus bled to death naked on a cross. It wasn't just for our conduct. It was to improve our condition of life. The only reason Father God has ever said anything about our conduct is that our conduct produces consequences that are detrimental to the quality or condition of life that He ultimately created us to live. This whole thing is not about conduct modification. It's about improving the quality of your life, the condition of your life. And so again, as you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him, we, we almost immediately, if we're not careful, our minds dismiss this or just kind of go casually to this and then move on to what's next into thinking that walking in Him means walking this straight and narrow, um, strict code of conduct, this, this you know, really disciplined um, life that you know, really is not a whole lot of fun, but we're going to you know, pay our dues and hopefully have fun in heaven one day. And, and you know, this whole mindset of all this. I'm not saying that it's not a straight and narrow road. I'm not saying that there are things we should not do and things that we should do. But walking in Jesus, walking in Him, He's talking about more than conduct here. He's talking about your identity. He's talking about who you are in Christ Jesus. He's talking about what belongs to you because of who you are in Christ Jesus. He's talking about what potential you now have. Jesus said because He's going to His Father that you would do the works that He did and even greater works. This is what it means to walk in Him. It's all the things that we can do now that we could not do before. We have such a limited idea of this. We think walking in Him means all the things we don't do. Or all the things we can't do. All the things we can't get away with now. All the things that are off the table for us that we don't enjoy or can't enjoy anymore. Have you found out that, that, that God living inside of you and the Holy Spirit living inside of you pretty much ruined sin for you? You can go do it, but you sure don't enjoy it like you used to. Friend, he's not talking about abstaining from the vices. He's talking about pursuing the virtues here. He's talking about all these things that Paul said were now in reach for us that we can now lay hold of because Jesus has laid hold of us. How did we then 
receive Christ Jesus the Lord. I'm telling you tonight, you receive healing the same way you receive salvation. You receive provision for your needs the same way you received Christ Jesus. You receive deliverance from your enemies the same way you received Christ Jesus. You received the baptism in the Holy Spirit the same way you received Christ Jesus. As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him. Did we receive Him by being passive? No. No. We acted upon faith. We heard the Word. We believed in our heart. And we acted upon that belief by confessing out of our mouths. And then guess what? We believe that we received. Anybody in here tonight believe that you received salvation? Alright? For everybody who raised your hand, anybody in here made a mistake since you received salvation? Let me go ahead and raise both of mine. Praise God. Now the devil may have tried to lie to you, but in spite of symptoms of not being saved, do you still believe you are? I hope you do. I hope you do, right? In other words, are, are there still some mindsets and some, and some patterns of behavior that, that try to cling to us from that old person that we were? Absolutely. But notice... Unless we let the enemy lie to us, we still believe that we're saved. We still believe that Father loves us. We still believe that His Spirit lives in us. We still believe, amen, that He's, He's not finished with us, that He who began a good work in us will be faithful to complete it. Notice, we believe that we receive salvation the moment that we prayed, the moment that we asked Him to come into our lives. If someone was here tonight and, and, and was not born again and answered an altar call and came... Man, I've seen mamas start crying before their sons made it to the altar. Ain't even prayed yet. She's already believing that her baby just got saved. And he ain't even prayed the prayer yet. But she knows, amen. He's about to pray, he's about to confess, and he's about to get saved. Right? Believe that we receive. Amen. It's exactly how you receive healing. I've received more than one healing in my life. A few of those have I believed I received and boom. I mean, symptoms completely gone, pain completely gone. I've had people lay hands on me and been instantly healed. And I thank God for that. And I, I, amen. There have been other times in my life where I've had to believe that I received and then I would have symptoms that would continue to tell me that I was not healed. Some of you have heard the story about my foot and the diagnosis that I received. Bone in my foot that was fractured and the doctor said that it would gave me a boot and told me I'd have to wear this device and even after I got out of the boot, I'd have to wear special shoes and pretty much going to be that way the rest of my life. And 
We made a joke about it. I called it my Darth Vader starter kit. Amen. My kids were young and John Mark loved Star Wars. And he's like, Daddy, what's that on your foot? I said, it's my Darth Vader starter kit, son. And he was, you know, we just laughed about it. But the day I believed I received my healing was the day the Holy Spirit spoke to me. It, my foot was hurting me. I, man, I'm telling you, I, I couldn't even hard put weight on it. Some of you were here in those days. I had to walk up these steps sideways, you know, to get up here. Holy Spirit just spoke to me. I said, yeah, I'm, I'm just, Father, help me with this. My, it's hurting me so bad. You know it's hurting me so bad. I know your word says I'm healed. It's like this clarity, of my, it's like just everything lined up, this clarity came into my heart and my spirit, and this is what the Holy Spirit showed me. The Word says I'm healed, my foot says I'm not. Somebody's lying. Somebody's lying. Either God's lying and I'm not healed, or my foot's lying and I am. And I'm going to go with God is telling the truth. And my foot is lying to me. It's, if the word says I am, I am. I believed I received. Now, in that moment, my foot didn't stop hurting. But every time it did, I would I would, you liar. <laughs> you are lying to me. Right? Again. Amen. And within a matter of days. And that was, I don't know how many years ago. I've never... It's never bothered me again. Amen. But notice, I could have believed that God existed. I could have believed that, oh man, can he heal your foot? Can he heal my foot? He created my foot. Of course he can heal my foot. Right? Watch this now. We go from believing that he exists to believing that he can, from believing that he can to believing that he will, from believing that he will to believing that he has. What would Jesus have to do for somebody to get saved in this room tonight? So why do we think he's got to do something for us to be healed? Did the same blood that covered our sin not is that not what the prophet told us? Is that not what Isaiah said? Now look, some of you getting a little nervous on me. Don't get nervous. I'm just telling you. what. Again, notice that we, we, got, we got to get these things dialed in here. I don't have time to get to it again tonight, but let me just, amen. Rooted, built up, established in him as you've been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. Now, verse 8 says, beware lest anyone cheat you. If we could ever get so stirred up about the devil cheating us the way we get stirred up about other people cheating us, about other situations cheating us, right? I mean, we, you've heard me say it before. We will like throw a fit in McDonald's because they didn't fill our little fry pouch up with all the fries and yet the devil's stealing all kinds of stuff from us and we don't even act like it matters. Beware lest anyone cheat you. Now watch this. Through philosophy. He's given us a list here. Empty deceit. According to the tradition of men. According to the basic principles of the world. And here's the main thing. 
not according to Christ. Not according to Christ. So when he talks about these different things, and I'll, Holy Spirit leading and willing will we'll break these down next Wednesday evening. But in each one of these, let me just give you some quick. Philosophy is speaking of intellectualism. Speculation. An effort to understand and make sense of things through rational argument. This is philosophy, right? It begins something like this. Well, the way I see it, see, got some problem, some situation, some dilemma that we're trying to resolve. And notice we've set faith completely aside and we're trying to solve it through intellectualism, speculation. One translation reads, endless arguments of human logic. Then there's empty deceit. These are answers that are popular and also by definition of this word empty deceit, they're seducing, but they're not really answers at all. But people blindly accept these things as answers when they, they, they don't even pass the simple scrutiny of logic. Then we've got the tradition of men. Heaven help us. See, it's, it's a tradition of men, a religiously held belief that does not, not according to Christ, that says you receive healing in a different way than you receive salvation. See, traditionally, we don't view those two as being the same, as being received the same way. Are you following what I'm saying tonight? There's all kinds of these traditions, things that, that people say, beliefs that people have, they're not according to Christ, not even according to the Scriptures, not even... I mean, I can show you where people have twisted a Scripture or misquoted a Scripture and used that to reinforce. Here's one. Everything happens for a reason. That is a perverted, misunderstood, misquoted version of Romans 8 where it says all things work together for the good of those who love the Lord and are called according to His purpose. See, we love to leave the love the Lord and called out of that. We just like to say, you know, all things work together. And then from there we get everything happens for a reason. That is a tradition not according to Christ, but what does it do? It contaminates our faith. It, it, it's a pollutant in our faith. It undermines our faith. Jesus himself, and I'll show it to you in the scriptures next week. Jesus himself, Jesus himself said, your traditions have made the word of God 
of no effect. Traditions, right? Well, what makes the Word of God effective? Faith. Faith. In other words, let's go back to it. It's not passive. You act upon faith. Well, faith by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. You hear the Word of God, stir something in your heart. You've then got the opportunity now to act upon that faith, step out. Who remembers? I remember, man, five years old when I got up and walked the aisle to receive Jesus. I mean, again, you think, well, it's no big deal. It was a big deal to me. I was trembling, man. I was shaking. I was nervous. You know, it was, there was some warfare going on there. Anybody else remember your experience? I mean, obviously you were ready to go, but there was resistance. There was, you know, that, that, that whole tug of war and, and these kinds of things. But you stepped, you, you overcame it. You stepped out in faith and, and you received. Thank God for that. So these traditions, right, they, they're things that people believe that that contaminate, that, that hinder, and, and ultimately make the Word of God of no effect. The way they make it of no effect is, how, is, the, is, the, is the way they dilute, or let me say it another way, neutralize. That's the word I've been looking for. Thank you, Holy Spirit. The tradition neutralizes the faith. Are you seeing this? It neutralizes the faith. There, the Bible says the, 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 the gospel, thank God we're not ashamed of it. It is the power of God unto salvation. How can the power of God unto salvation be rendered ineffective in somebody's life? It's not going to save them unless they act upon it. And so if they have all this traditional belief that, you know, well, I was... I'm not trying to make anybody mad. I was sprinkled as a baby and all this other stuff. No, no, no. Uh-uh. See, that's a tradition of men. It's not in here. You've got to call upon the name of the Lord to be saved. And again, I'm not trying to offend anybody. I'm just telling you, right? Let's see if you think, well, I did this. My, you know, I, I was raised in the church. So? That's passive. You got to act upon something. Amen. Are you seeing this? All right, stand with me. Praise God. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Well, this... I appreciate you loving me. I appreciate you praying for me. I appreciate you standing with me. If the Holy Spirit tells me to preach this again next Wednesday night, I'm just going to preach it again next Wednesday night. I'm just telling you. Amen. I'm just, I, I was driving home last Wednesday night, and I said, like, well, Lord, you know, I could have just probably played Wednesday night before. You know? Um, but amen. We, praise God. Praise God. All right. Father, we love you. And we thank you tonight for your wisdom. We thank you for your love. We thank you, Father, for calling us and drawing us to yourself. We thank you, Father, that you have a vested interest in us working these things out, getting them straightened out in our lives, in our hearts and minds. 
The devil's tried to confuse and he's tried to complicate it, Lord. And Jesus, you came to make it simple. Simple. So, Father, help us begin to just look at the simple way that we received you and use that same pattern to walk in who we are in you, to walk in what belongs to us in you. Experience and enjoy, Lord. All that our salvation holds and all that was included with it. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not your benefits. You forgive all of our iniquities. You heal all of our diseases. Thank you, Lord. As we go our separate ways, Father, may we let our light so shine before men this week that they see our good works and glorify you in heaven. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. Praise God. Praise God. Just remember, if you could help move some.